You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, January 11th. As always, I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at JustBaseball.com, where I just finished writing about the most memorable moments in baseball of last year. I'm back. I'm back at writing. So you go check that out. We're probably going to do an episode on that in the future. Also, if you want to check me out on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. The latter account is where I always tweet about Padres-related stuff. And then my own account is where I tweet Padres stuff, some memes, and then some comic books and some video games, everything. So whatever you want. And then if you want, check out the YouTube, Lockdown Padres on YouTube, where you can see my little Tatis goober bobblehead. Ooh! who's always hanging out with me on the YouTube. So go check that out and check in the podcast description if you want your own. It's cheap and they're just really cool. I love them and I especially love his little sneakers. They're really nice. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, on today's show, we got to talk about a signing that just happened. We got to talk about a few signings that happened because some of them happened over the weekend, the past few days, and I was not able to record. Um, but that ends up being for the better because the biggest of the signings that the Padres made was for Nelson Cruz. DH extraordinaire, the ageless wonder, some would call him, and the Padres just signed him, which is a very exciting uh, lower move. Hold on, how, how do I phrase this? It's a, it's an exciting, you know, B-level move. You know what I mean? Nelson Cruz is not what he used to be. Um, I don't even think he was what he used to be, not even this past season, but the season before. I think he showed a little bit of sign. Or did he? Maybe I'm lying. Was he good the year before? I don't remember. How the heck did he do? Can I find his stats? It'd be really great if I could find his stats right now. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about Nelson Cruz. Then we're going to talk about Brent Honeywell and Adam Angle and just go over a little bit of the state of the current Padres roster uh, with free agency and whatnot. Let's start with Cruz. Um, it's so interesting because if there's one thing that A.J. Preller, if there's one thing we can count on him, I mean, obviously he makes the big moves. One thing about him that we've been seeing over the past few years is this guy doesn't lose interest in players. It seems that he had big interest in the first time, right? You can talk about Joey Gallo. You can talk about Jerickson Profar. You can talk about Jorge Alfaro. You can bring up a Musgrove, anybody. There's so many players that once he has his eye on them, they're just not leaving. You know what I mean? I remember when the first Xander Bogarts rumors started, and I, I actually, I don't even know if it was like from a legitimate source, someone saying that he was an interesting target for the Padres at the deadline, of course, uh, that person did not take into account that the Red Sox are stupid. And instead of trading him at the deadline, they decided to let him walk away in free agency for nothing. So shout out to the Red Sox. Thank you very much. Um, but in terms of Nelson Cruz, this is a guy that was probably, and I was wrong on this. I thought that he was target like number two for the Padres last offseason because I didn't think he would cost very much. I thought he could be the DH. You get the universal DH coming in. And he's a super slugger, great teammate. He's been a veteran for a while. I thought that would fit. And then the Dodgers come in, and they're like, no, we want him. And then I don't know where he ends up signing with the Nationals. And then he has a really poor year, a minus 0.8 F4, if you want to go by that. And don't get me wrong, I know that it's easier to get into the negative sometimes when you're a DH uh, for sure. But even his slash line overall was not 
very impressive whatsoever. 234, 313, 337 slash line. Uh, the big thing there is the slugging. Um, Nelson Cruz just stopped really hitting for power, and this isn't a case of injury. He still played 124 games last year, which is what would make me worried if I'm a a fan here. And his isolated power number numbers were extremely down, all right? So you had basically in 2021... Um, when he was when he was moved around and whatnot, uh, when he went to Tampa Bay, even then he had a bad year. He had his walk rate went down. It was the lowest of his career, eight point seven percent. Maybe that was a sign, the walk rate. But still, he did manage to hit the ball pretty reasonably well. But now, check out his isolated power number one oh three with the Nationals last year. That's about as good as. Oh man, that's like a that's a Jose Azokar number. That was really mean because Jose Azokar was still better offensively than this guy. But that's a you guys remember who's that second baseman that used Nick Madrigal type numbers? You know what I mean? The guy who hits for like one home run every three years, that type of stuff. D Gordon, those type of players, and that's really surprising. Past few years, two thirty two, two ninety two, three twenty eight, uh, two fifty two, two sixty one. His lifetime average isolated power is two forty one. So it was. Definitely, that for me is just a sign that he's aging. And don't get me wrong, I know that playing DH will make your your war total look a little bit lower, right? But that's just kind of the case of being a DH. But even still, uh, only hit 10 home runs on the year. I remember having him in fantasy and being frustrated because I was just expecting it to happen. I was just expecting, all right, like, he's going to get better. And he never did. His strikeout rate went up to 23.5 from 21.6 the year before. Like I said, he stopped slugging the ball. Um, and in terms of, like, you know, your good old stat cast profile, the good news is max exit velo, hard hit rate, even barrel percentage to a degree, which he finished in the 60th percentile, and average exit velocity, he's still up there. But the really keen eye at the plate and the ability to not just swing at nonsense seems to have been gone. His chase rate was bad, strikeout percentage was up, like I said, and whiff percentage was bad. Sure, he generated some walks, but... You know, he he was clearly not Nelson Cruz anymore. And while the Padres were clearly interested in him last year, they might have missed the, the opportunity to really get the best out of him. Um, but that's okay, because so did the Nationals. The Nationals didn't get anything out of him last year. And they surely were expecting him to do well, so they could probably flip him at the deadline. That didn't happen, right? That didn't happen. And then um, Mark Melanson for the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks were clearly trying to flip him. All right, so two former... Two Padres-oriented players that didn't end up with the Padres end up, you know, you, maybe you should have stayed with us. You know what I mean? Maybe Come on. Come on, Nelson Cruz. What are you doing? Um, so, yeah, overall, Nelson Cruz. But, again, this is we call him the ageless wonder for a reason. He's going to be 43 years old, uh, which there's only, I think, seven players who have made it to that age since the year 2000. Um, one of them being Jason Giambi, you know, some names that you've heard of. But... Overall, yeah, this is not necessarily... uh, You shouldn't expect much from Nelson Cruz. I really do think that the isolated power numbers, the fact that he just wasn't hitting the ball very hard last year whatsoever, um, is a bad sign. Is a bad sign for sure, especially when it's a guy who all he has to do is play DH. But, 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 but. There's a big but, ladies and gentlemen. Um, And we got to talk about that but in just one second. Ladies and gentlemen, just one second, just one second. I got to talk to you about something very, very important. And you know what that very important thing is? It's betting. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to make a bet on the Padres over-unders for next year, we've got some of them that are coming out right now. They're saying 93 and a half games. I say slam the over on that because why not? It's fun, especially if you're a Padres fan. But if you want to check out everything else, every professional and amateur league out there, they've got... You know, college football just stopped, but they have stuff on that. You know, shout out to that atrocious game on Monday. Yeah, really love this sport, guys. I don't know why people love college football so much. Hey, let's see Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State or Clemson win by 75 every year. Great sport. Anyway, uh, we've got it all, guys, at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, they also have you covered there as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving, ladies and gentlemen. We got to keep talking about Nelson Cruz, which is the big signing. And there's a couple things here um, that I want to talk about. Number one is yes, Nelson Cruz was bad last year. His offensive stuff was bad. Uh, worse by far. It's like the only negative um, offensive rating he's had in his entire career, with the exception of 20. Seven, hold on, 2007, wow, I am a mess today. Uh, but what I will say is this. With the signing of Matt Carpenter, um, Nelson Cruz probably isn't going to be an everyday player. He's certainly going to have some at-bats. But what I like about this move is that it potentially gives you a pretty interesting platoon of two old guys, <laughs> two, two very old guys, that potentially you could have Matt Carpenter be the DH against right-handed pitching, and then you could have Nelson Cruz against left-handed pitching or vice versa, uh, whichever matchup you like. And I trust someone like Bob Melvin to manage those type of things, right? The Padres have added low-key, like, some depth this offseason. Um, and obviously the Xander Bogarts move, they re-signed Robert Suarez. Those are bigger moves, but they have had some little depth things, right? And we're going to talk about that in a second with Brent Honeywell, Adam Engel, and Nelson Cruz, right, Matt Carpenter. So it's been a superstar in Bogarts. That's going to be the signature move. They are they haven't been quite New York Mets-ish, where they've just been dishing out. Or honestly, last offseason for the Mets was even crazier. Because last offseason they brought in more players. This offseason was kind of them replacing and whatnot. Aside from Carlos Correa, who of course is now a Minnesota twin. Very weird stuff, guys. Um <laughs> the Carlos Correa story is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But I will say, if he's going to be used as a potential platoon bat, all right, maybe some days they'll use Carpenter. Maybe Matt Carpenter might even play a little bit of the outfield until Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back. Or maybe they're going to use someone like Jose Azokar, a player that I think is, while not incredible, I don't think he's the center fielder of the future. I certainly believe that if you were to make a move, which is one thing that this Nelson Cruz move might suggest, you know, you, at some point, you got to put together a lineup, and I trust, like I said, Bob Melvin to do the matchup game and all that stuff. Do the fun stuff with managers where they get to pick and choose who they want to use every day, aside from the obvious players like your Manny, like your Soto. It's going to be kind of fun to see, all right, today I'm going to use this guy, tomorrow I'm going to use this guy, et cetera, et cetera. But what I do like about this is, yeah, it does give the Padres room if they want to make another move. And I know that a lot of people, a lot of fans, they've been talking to me about Hassan Kim. And there are some teams out there in need of a shortstop that may have something that the Padres want, right? You have teams like, you know, the Miami Marlins. That is a team that certainly probably needs a shortstop, especially with the rumors that they're uh, looking to trade Miguel Rojas. So if that happens, or a team like the Boston Red Sox that we just essentially stole Xander Bogarts from to an degree. I'm, I'm going to view it that way as a Boston hater. I'm going to choose to believe that that it, we just stole him from him, right? That's, that's how I'm going to view it. 
And then after that, you know, you could get some you could get some pitching potentially in return, or maybe a package of someone like, you know, Trent Grisham and Jose or not Jose Azokar and Hassan Kim. Maybe that gives you another rotation arm, which is clearly something that the Padres still probably want to address. I'm not as oh my god, we're doomed, as a lot of other people, I do think that there are questions because the four and five in the rotation, Martinez and Lugo respectively, um, they aren't necessarily full-blown starting pitchers, but again, I think that they have some depth that they're willing to to get from. All right, You weren't able to get Johnny Cueto, and that's just what happens. That was the last episode I did. Miami Marlins ended up picking him up, but... I would think that that potentially, because of this move and because of a bunch of others, that the Padres have a little bit of depth to move around and potentially add another piece, especially on the starting pitching end of things. And as I started this off with Jose Azokar, what I like about Azokar is the speed and the reaction time is good. I think that he can be a good defensive center fielder. Adam Engel is another player that could be a pretty good defensive player um, out there in the outfield, maybe center field, maybe left field, whichever. Um, that's exciting. I, I like that they have these three players that, at the minimum, are going to give them something off um, defensively. And I think that with Azokar, we just haven't had a large enough sample size. But in terms of his stat cast stuff, in terms of his percentiles, he's got the speed and he's got the ability to be, I think, a pretty competent defender. Even if he has barely any power. This is a guy who's going to hit maybe like three home runs a year. He doesn't have any power. Grisham has more power. But... If he's like a 260, 335 on base guy with good defense, that's not too bad, right? Like, that's actually not too bad. And I would be totally down for the Padres to be like, actually, maybe we can use him as our center fielder for now. And then we can use Grisham and, like I said, Hassan Kim to go get something else that is in a little bit more need of a boost. Whatever it may be. Maybe it's going to be a trade deadline thing. Maybe Grisham will be on the team for half the year. He'll be this year's Luke Voigt, per se. Totally possible. Um, but again, I, I really do, it's not a move I love, but it's also a move I barely hate, right? Nelson Cruz, he's only being paid $1 million by the Padres this upcoming year. It's a one-year deal. And the other thing that I like about it, aside from the potential for some fun platoon splits, he's going to be motivated, I think, Nelson Cruz, um, to play on this Padres team. Look, Juan Soto was a mess last year, and I wonder sometimes what are some unpredictable things in sports, right? That they're human beings, Right? Is it possible that being on an uncompetitive team, not even a White Sox type of team that was like on the fringe, they've got talent, but they aren't that good. A team that was just out of it completely, right? Like a team that could lose like 100 games, that type of bad, right? In the Washington Nationals, does that have an effect on a player? Totally possible. And then he's going to be moving over and actually, from what I saw from a Jeff Passon tweet, he's actually going to be part of the Dominican Republic team in the World Baseball Classic. Um, as the GM, as the GM of the Dominican Republic baseball team uh, for the World Baseball Classic. And that means that he's going to hang out with Manny Machado and Juan Soto. That's pretty exciting. I love that. I think that that's a lot of fun, and I think that that could really give some some good clubhouse vibes. Something that this team, I think, has struggled with a little bit over the past few years is having a little bit of an uneven locker room for a variety of reasons. I'm not going to point out specific players. Longtime listeners of the pod probably know who I'm talking about, but... I look at that and say, that could be great. Dominican Republic, they're going to be great, obviously, in the World Baseball Classic. And then maybe you get some wins, and Cruz and Soto and Manny are hanging out. And they're going to be hungry heading into the season. So I like that. I like that he wasn't necessarily on a good team last year, and that he could redeem himself in a role that may be more conducive. Maybe he's not an everyday DH, or even an every other day DH. Instead, every now and then, pop in and 
maybe hit a couple bombs for us. Hopefully he can get a little bit of that power back. Maybe the isolated power number has a regression to the mean coming. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe he's a 260-340 guy at best who's going to hit you 10 home runs. Right? Like maybe maybe that's all he is. But for 1 million bucks to take a flyer on a guy who is one of the more remarkable like turnarounds of a career uh, that I can think of off the top of my head in terms of the fact that he got literally better after coming back from that steroid suspension back in 2014 <clears throat> when he hit 40 bombs. <laughs> he, he broke his career high after getting suspended for PEDs, which is just a little bit of a reminder of how the PED discussion is so complicated that it doesn't just make someone, right? It's But it's, it's very complicated. I'm not saying that PEDs is fine. You know, I'm not saying that either, but it's just... That's what I always remember Nelson Cruz for, getting better after not having steroids. Crazy stuff. But <clears throat> for this team, can't wait to see how this works out. It's a fun depth move, and I'm curious to see if they make another move, which is something that I'll be talking about on Friday's episode with my buddy Arm Layton. We're going to be talking about that Marlins pitching rotation and which guys they may be willing to deal. You know what I mean? Gonna you got to everything has been about the Marlins. Are they going to trade for Ryan Reynolds? Are they going to trade Pablo Lopez, Lazardo, Trevor Rogers, Sandy? What are they going to do? We're going to talk about that on Friday. <clears throat> but I also want to take a little bit of a second to kind of finish the podcast and talk about some other additions that the Padres made, namely Adam Engel and Brent Honeywell. Dennis Lynn actually did a pretty good write up for the athletic talking about kind of the state of the Padres roster talking about like, what are the, you know, who's likely to make the 40 man roster names that you already know. But I thought that he wrote really interestingly about Honeywell, which I'm going to talk about right now. Honeywell who turns 28 in March joins the list of depth options on the 40 man roster for the Padres. The right-hander was a top raised prospect before four arm surgeries prevented him from pitching from 2018 to 2020. Honeywell returned to action in 2021 and even made his major league debut, but an Olacranon stress reaction in his throwing elbow limited him, limited him to just 20 and a third innings in the A's organization last season. He subsequently pitched, um, appeared to pitch well in the Dominican Winter League, encouraging the Padres to offer him a split contract that will pay him 725000 if he's in the majors. Honeywell is out of minor league options. To send him down, San Diego would have to pass him through waivers. Um, and basically, like he says, in short, there's talent there, but more uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, this is a reclamation project, essentially. Brent Honeywell, I remember when he was picked, or at least I remember when he was a top draft pick, and that's how he was viewed. I remember actually being tempted and taking him in a dynasty league, surely and purely and solely because I loved his name, Honeywell. Golden Blossom Honeywell? Honey, Honeywell Cheerios? I mean, you, 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 the fantasy team names is kind of endless with my boy here. Um... Yeah, my takeaway from this move was the Pirates want to have a little bit of depth. Um, I think that they're saying, we like this guy Honeywell. We think that he's a little bit better. And in fairness, it seems like it's been almost entirely health. Now, the four arm surgeries is scary. That probably means that whatever his upside was back in the day when he was drafted and when he was a prospect, that's probably gone. So I would not. Ex I don't think that Padres fans should be expecting this guy to be the great sleeper, right? I think he's a guy that may come in in case of an injury to any of the rotation members that makes it that, you know, someone has to move to the bullpen or whatever. Maybe that's what his destiny is. Maybe he's a bullpen guy <coughs> or a long inning reliever. So I'm not expecting too much from Brent Honeywell. I don't know too much about him. And in fairness, I feel like a lot of people don't because he's been hurt all the time. I am wondering, I think that if there is a pitcher that can be kind of like that, 
you know, breakout candidate. I've been saying this for like four years now, but AJ Morejon, um, he's super young and I like his strikeout stuff when he's right. The problem is, man, was he bad last year. But again, I think the pods basically decided that we're putting a whole lot of our money into Robert Suarez and Xander Bogarts this offseason. And there's a whole lot of uncertainty providing the future of the Padres. We don't know what's going to happen after Darvish and Snell are off the books, after Manny Machado potentially opts out. So there's a lot more questions, actually, for the 2024 Padres than I have about this year's team, um, if we're being completely honest. So I'm curious to see what happens with this move, right? They're gathering a lot of depth pieces. Does that mean they just want to have depth? Which is something that I've been preaching for a while, which is to just... Because of what happened in 2021, make sure you can go out there and be like, all right, we're not going to make some desperate trade for Jake Marisnik, right? Who barely can do anything. No offense to Jake Marisnik. Past his prime. He had some moments in Houston, but that was it. Where you're trading, oh, who was it that they traded? Anthony something? Danny Espinosa? Was that his name? It was an Espinosa. I'm I'm blinking on the name right now. Maybe Anderson Espinosa? They traded for... um, Jake Marisnik. Instead, they're like, all right, we can throw out Adam Angle there, who has been a player that's really struggled to stay healthy, but as a kind of like a fourth outfielder guy who can go out there and maybe play some decent decent defense, maybe play, you know, uh, have a little bit of speed on the base pass every now and then, maybe. Not that bad. And reportedly, according to what I was reading Dennis Lynn stuff, is that he was a good, you know, like, like teammate. So that's good too. I like that. I don't think that every move that the Padres make necessarily means that, oh yeah, they're trading Austin Kim. Oh, yeah. They're trading Trent Grisham. I think it means that they want to have a little bit of depth and not have to rely on what last year was. And I think that this is fair to, to bring up. The Padres were extremely healthy last year, aside from some major, um, you know, pl- players. But those were players that heading into the year, you knew, you knew were hurt, right? So you had um, Fernando Tatis Jr. with his shoulder injury. You had... Um, um, Drew Pomeranz with his injury, right? You had a couple of players out there, but in general, Jerickson Profar stayed healthy, Trent Grisham stayed healthy, Juan Soto was healthy, uh, Manny Machado was healthy, as he always is. I'm doing super knock on woods right now. But for the most part, barely any injuries for the Padres last year. So I think some people need to, uh, or at least that that is a perspective that needs to be acknowledged, and that's that they want to get some players who, if they're really great um luck with health, aside from Mike Clevenger and Blake Snell. I'm talking about the lineup now. That they're saying, let's just have some guys that we can at least put out there maybe for a couple weeks so we do not have your Jake Marisnicks, we do not have your Jake Arietas and your Vincent Velasquez. We at least have some guys that you could be a little bit excited about. Brent Honeywell, I'm sure, will get a really great ovation for even being able to keep pitching despite all the injuries that he's had. And we'll be like, okay, we can deal with this guy for like two starts. Maybe he can go out there. Maybe he can be a piggyback starter along with um, Adrian Morajon. Maybe that can be the fifth starter. And if that happens, then maybe you can move Seth Lugo to the bullpen. Or you can move Nick Martinez to the bullpen. Two areas which those two players thrive so much. I'm not saying all of this to say that the Padres shouldn't go after a starting pitcher. I'm not saying that. I just think that there's not necessarily a ton of them out there, especially on the free agent market. Although I would love me some Corey Kluber for the just for the, the memes and the vibes. Um... If they decide to trade for someone, cool. And if they don't, you just have a bunch of depth and you can address things as they go along. Maybe Nick Martinez comes out and he's really awesome as a starter and they want to keep him there. Maybe Seth Lugo, 
as they experiment with him in a starting role. Maybe that's what they want to do. Maybe they still need to figure out where the heck Tatis is going to play. Probably going to be the outfield, but maybe they want to move him around. Maybe he's going to be left field. Maybe Grisham will... There's a lot of questions about just where players are going to play. And I think it's exciting. I think it's great that, hey, there will probably be some days where Nelson Cruz plays first base. There will probably be some days where they may even stick Matt Carpenter over there. I'm totally cool with that. They clearly wanted Jose Abreu. And in fairness, every team wanted Jose Abreu, it seems. After he was gone, the Pirates are like, okay, cool. We're just going to move Cronenworth. We're going to move now Nelson Cruz. We can move Matt Carpenter. We can find a way. We can put anyone there. Probably not going to put Tatis there because I don't know how that would work with his injury. And just seems seem like a waste of his talent, perfectly honest with you. Uh, to play sh- um, first base, he should be playing short or the outfield or whatever. Take advantage of his speed and athleticism. But I do think that... That's what the Padres said. They're like, all right, if we don't get Jose Abreu, we're going to go out and we're going to make a splash, but it's not going to be a first baseman. We're not going to reach and say, oh, man, we got to go out and get um, re-sign Josh Bell for a lot more money. Whatever, right? So they, they elected to do that, and I think it's fun. I love the vibes of this team. I, I really do. I love that they brought in Bogarts, obviously. Obviously love that they brought in Bogarts, and I love what they did with this Nelson Cruz and um, Andrew McCutcheon potential tandem. Just old guys, do they still have any tricks up their sleeve? I talked about how Carpenter worries me a little bit because all of his home runs were basically taking advantage of the short porch for the for the Yankees. But, again, it's not like he has to be an everyday role, right? The everyday role guy. Guys, that's, that's Bogarts. That was like the big signing OMG. We got this guy back. And then Juan Soto, he could have a bounce back season. Certainly he can be better than he was last year. Not that he was bad, but he can be better. He can be a six-win player. You've still got Manny. Jake Cronenworth, don't sleep on him potentially bouncing back. I did hear some rumors that he was actually playing hurt. And if last year was him playing hurt, then, oh my God, Jake Cronenworth's like a top five second baseman, no question about it. Because if, if he was playing hurt last year and he was still able to be like a three-win player or so, that's incredible stuff, right? So there's so many... I'm just so freaking excited for this Padres team, and I think that they're going to be great. I was excited for last year's team, but in a different sense. I was excited about last year's team because I just thought that they would be sneaky and that they would battle and that they'd find a way to just kind of, you know, scrounge up some wins and be alive and whatnot and maybe make a move or two because everything went poorly in 2021. This year, it's like, no, I just can't friggin' wait for when it's Tatis, Bogarts, Soto, Manny, Cronenworth and all these guys and some other dude that they might even trade for for all we know, right? So that is what is so thrilling about this Padres team is it feels like there's been a little bit more, instead of just going only for stars this offseason, they've been doing a little bit of both, um, addressing needs. And I think that, I really do think that the Robert Suarez contract was pretty brilliant. I think that they were saying this guy is a top 10 reliever, but he isn't going to yet get paid like one. And Josh Hader is probably going to be, oof, Josh Hader's going to get paid, probably. And I think he's going to have a good year, actually. Um, despite how much I thought he was he was cooked last season, I think he's probably going to be great. And then if they lose him, it's no problem. You get to be excited about Robert Suarez as the future closer for the team. So, yeah. All those moves combined amount to... Still got to still gotta keep the eye on the prize and say, all right, well, are they still going to make a move? And again, we're going to be talking about that on Friday. We're going to be talking about whether or not the Padres are going to make a move. Are they going to trade Hassan Kim? Who, in fairness, I do not. I do not think that. I it feels more like Hassan Kim is a fan Padres Twitter thing, 
I don't think the team wants to trade him, but they've been eyeing Pablo Lopez. A lot of teams have. So it's not impossible that they say, let's just go get ourselves that at least a fourth starter. Um, and if, if Pablo Lopez is your four, then I'm absolutely thrilled with that. So we'll have to see how it all pans out. But those are basically all my thoughts, guys, uh, on the current state of the Padres and their roster this offseason. Really exciting stuff. want to repeat, again, you can go check out the bobblehead, and you can go check me out on Twitter at Javapeno. Um, tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking with Ryan Finkelstein of Lockdown Mets to discuss Manny Machado and probably a little bit of Carlos Correa because all the Manny stuff is out. Everyone's saying the Mets gave up on Correa because they said, you know what? Let's just go get Manny next year. So we're going to talk about that. How realistic is it and how sad will I be if it happens? We're going to talk about all of that tomorrow. That should be a lot of fun. And then Friday, talking about all those Marlin starters. What makes the most sense? Are they actually interested in Grisham? Would they be interested in Hassan Kim? Can that get a deal done? Because why not? It's speculation and off-season signing season of fun and spectacular and whatnot. But yeah. That about does it, everybody, for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter again, at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, at L-O underscore Padres, Lockdown Padres on YouTube. Until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. Come on, come on.